Affordable housing is something people always need. It's not about an investment choice. I can sort of uh, postpone. If I need to relocate, if my family is growing, if uh, I have a need to change my life for the better, it's not something I could say I'll do it in two years. Affordable housing is incredibly good. You are listening to the AFR podcast. Real estate, technology, cross-border investing, and the opportunities of a changing world. Let's start a conversation now. The truth is, the world is facing a global shortage of affordable housing, especially in those urban areas where all the opportunities beckon more and more people. What are we going to do about it? Now, at this point, whatever governments, investors, and developers are doing is not enough. And in many cases, attachment to old ways of doing things, old models of of what housing should look like. It, it, it's making any real solutions increasingly difficult to find. So many entrepreneurs are doing that. They're, they're doing a great job of finding great ways to deliver affordable housing, but few, if any, have done so at a meaningful scale, except for one. Planet Smart City started a few years ago and headquartered in the UK with offices in Brazil, India, and Italy has a pipeline now of over 9,000 units, and they expect that by the year 2032, they will be delivering 45,000 units of affordable housing every year in those countries. They've got some interesting ideas, or secret sauce, if you will, about how to create affordable housing at scale. So today is uh, Wednesday, March 9th, 2022, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to sit down uh, with the head of operations for Planet Smart City, Daniela Russo-Lilo, uh, to ask him a little bit about how they're doing this and, and how do they see affordable housing going forward. So thank you, Dan, for joining me on the AFIRE podcast. Thank you, Gunnar. I'm very happy to be here today. So... Uh, can you explain to me just how is it that in just a few years since you started, uh, Planet Smart City has, has, has really come a long way and has really created, I think, a fascinating model. How did, how did that happen? How did it come about? Well, I think we need to explain, first of all, our world in terms of affordable housing units. Yeah. Many people don't know that at world, world level, there are... 350 million households that are looking, well, the numbers in 2025, we are basically in 2025, they're looking for decent housing solution. 350 million households who are looking for a decent place to live in, to be serviced, to have safe house, not overcrowded, uh, safe for them and for their kids. You know how many housing units are built in this segment, affordable housing worldwide? Every year, 10 million. There's a huge gap between the supply of affordable housing worldwide and the actual demand worldwide level. The point is that real estate developers in this segment are very local, are very national. Nobody is 
large enough to tackle this big challenge, which I call opportunity at global level. And so to tackle the huge gap between 350 million households looking for decent housing and the 10 million houses built every year. So, I mean, that's, you're right, it's a significant gap and one that um, probably has not hit the alarm buttons for a lot of people yet. But how is that gap distorting the market today? And how do you think that might continue to distort the market um, in the years to come until more and more uh, groups like yours are starting to bring significant housing online? You see, it's very simple. As I said, real estate developers in this segment tend to work locally. So when you find real estate developers in Brazil, in India, in Colombia, they produce, let's say, 2,000, 3,000, up to 5,000 homes every year. We are talking about companies who are not large enough, they're not capitalized enough to do any R&D, to look into innovation, to really produce what we call in Planet places that matter. To whom? To the residents. People in the affordable housing markets are families uh, that belong to the workforce of our places. I mean, we're talking about bus drivers, nurses, teachers. These people have a wage, have a job. They send their kids to school, but very simply cannot afford to buy a house in the free market. So where do they live? They live in slums. They live in overcrowded apartments, maybe two or three families together, simply because they cannot afford housing solution at the price given by the free market. So they look for something different. Enters Planet, and in Brazil, $30,000 housing units, or in India, $50,000 housing units. We give them something they would not expect, they would even deserve. We're talking about beautiful housing, very well finished, and above of all, access to services at the local level. You know, for years and years and years, we've been talking about location, location, location. Now, especially the young generation, the digitally native people that are the people who buy our homes in Brazil and in India, they want services. It's not about location, location, location. They want to access services. And if this access is mediated through a digital platform, they're even happier. Point is, if you're really a developer, small, mid-sized, like I was telling you before, they don't do these things. They don't do any innovation, let alone technology like PropTech, ESG-compliant design, or social innovation. We are different because we add these layers to the traditional real estate development for affordable housing. Maybe you want to know how we do it, but I leave you to ask me some questions. <laughs> Well, that's an excellent question, because what you've described are the same kinds of, um, I don't know if you call it amenities or services, that uh, higher-end housing is more of the expectation in terms of services and digital delivery of those services, as well as ESG and, and, and sustainable and, and wellness-focused features within new construction. You're doing it at the affordable level, and you're doing it at a very, very small level. So how are you doing it? Well, some people always ask me, Danny, what are the secret sources of planet? And I always make a joke saying, hey guys, we're not Tesla. We adapt common sense to a very traditional market where, let me tell you, it's quite easy to be a lot different from the others because this kind of innovation has never been integrated in the real estate development of affordable housing. So the first source, secret source of planet 
let me tell you, is the scale. When we go to India, we go to Colombia, we go to Brazil, we never think about developing projects that are not at least, if we think about the district level, um, 600, 1,000 housing units. We, I always say, Gunnar, we're not all house builders. We build districts, entire districts, for two reasons. One, if you want to achieve this level of innovation, you need to spread it across many properties. So if you want to integrate, the innovation we integrate in a five stories building with 30 apartments, no way, it's not what we do. We integrate innovation on large real estate residential project of at least 1,000 units, as I said. In that case, the scale, the ability to manage such a large project is the first secret source. If we go for smaller developments, maybe numbers might not add up. If we go for larger developments, you can use the scale at your advantage to bring innovation. The second thing for scale, maybe we'll talk about it later, is that we want to create a thriving community. I always say the Planet Smart City is a real estate company nurturing a very strong digital business, but it's very people-centric. At the end of the day, smart city is in our name. But our smart cities are not about flying cars and drones and stuff like that. Our smart cities, about, it's about smart communities. Thriving I'm, I'm actually disappointed that there's no flying cars. <laughs> I know, I understand. I, understand. I am as well. We'll be working <laughs> on that. We'll be working on that. So it's about, it's about smart communities. People thriving. Um, at the end of the day, you know what our households ask us when they come and live in our developments? They all ask the same things, no matter if it's India or Brazil. They want a safe place to raise their kids. They want a very clean place and very beautiful place because when you live in a nice environment, everything's apparently, it's a lot easier. They want to try to live saving some money from utilities. So they're getting conscious of their expenses. If there is a digital platform, a solution that teaches them how to become more aware of energy expenses, water expenses, they're just happy. And at the end of the day, our uh, digitally native customers, you know, from 25 to 35 years old, will also make an impression on this planet in positive terms. They want to pollute less. And if you put all these things together, you can create really what we say, you know, places that matter, beautiful places for people. But the first secret source is the scale. You won't be able to do that if you operate at smaller scales. When you look at that kind of scale, though, it, it certainly kind of uh, is redolent of the scale that we had in affordable housing and public housing projects that were built in the 50s, 60s, and 70s um, that did not play out that well. Um, how are you how are you countering that tendency for large projects of a lot of people that are, are perhaps not able to afford as much to make sure that they don't become that? There are two, uh, two aspects in, in place here. One is to use a sound design. You need to be careful that your master plan is creating actually a beautiful place. It doesn't have to be alienated. Of course, technology plays a part. If you create a situation where you have cameras in place, um, controls, you know, having technology supporting the operation of nudging people to behave in a better way is always good. You know, smart lighting system that are aware of the places where you need more light at night to be safer is cool. People don't have to do anything. They do it on their own. But let me tell you, technology is not ready enough to do what you're saying. 
those projects were basically projects that were left on their own. There was no care about the people. In Planet, we have a full-fledged framework of community development. Planet people, my colleagues, employees of Planet, sociologists mainly, and community operators, live in the development, and they look after the people who live there. And magics happen. I always say, our people, our community developers, are not facility managers. They don't look for broken pipes. They look for broken hearts. They try to anticipate conflict. They're trying to put people together, let them work in a self-generational mode uh, in committees that look after the needs of the communities. They basically understand that if they're the first mover of change, their property will go up in price in time because there won't be any kind of, let's invent a word now, uh, re-Islamification. You know what I mean? The place will be kept nice, first of all, by the house owners. Let me tell you, I want to tell you a story which is very interesting. When you develop in emerging countries, very often, uh, especially on single houses like we do in the northeast of Brazil, it might happen that you sell a property and then the owner decides to expand the property. Let's say not really following the rules and the regulation, building extra rooms. Okay, This is quite normal. And um, it's a typical situation. If you don't control this kind of behavior, you will very soon find yourself with a district that looks like incredibly different from what you had in mind. So illegal behavior might be stopped, but command and control is not enough. So people need to understand bottom up that that behavior is going to hurt the ability of the property to reevaluate in time. So we create our committees, our community developers work on the territory, and people understand. And when I say the magics happen, I'll tell you why. In our developments in Brazil, we don't have even single one illegal behavior in hundreds and hundreds of houses. Not even one. Go to Brazil, see what happens. Are we special people? No, but we understood that if you want to trigger a social transformation, and I'm not talking about social engineering, Gunnar, you need to work bottom-up, ground-up, doing what we call a startup community process. People need to be taught that a certain way is better than another. Yeah. And it works. Well, and it, it's also, you know, when people are kind of making their own rules or they're, they're, they're changing things, it's usually because whatever it is that's there is not serving their needs in some way, you know, whether it's the physical environment or it's the environment, the emotional community environment around them. I think it's an indication that, that you're certainly responding to what the users are looking for in, in their communities and what they do there. You know, you know there's... Um, you guys uh, are investing now in the U.S., and I'm curious to hear your thoughts about what might be different about investing in the, uh, I believe it was in Texas, uh, and, and doing the, your model there versus Brazil uh, or in Europe. So, Planet Smart City is a company that was created especially to try to disrupt the affordable housing markets in emerging countries. Uh, with a high level of housing deficits. Just to tell you, Brazil today has a housing deficit that tops 8 million and a half units. Urban India tops 20 million and a half units. So people might ask me, and they do it all the time, why United States? Why Texas? And my answer is twofold. First of all, 
Even Western countries have problems about housing solutions. There's no need now to get into the details of what that means for Europe or for the United States, but workforce, key workers, have the same problems everywhere. If I have a bus driver in Los Angeles and I cannot buy a house in the city, I have to live two hours away, it's the same story. We were offered the possibility of developing in Texas with a partner that we have, Palladium Group, with which we are working on some, uh, we call it smartization, maybe you could call it uh, regeneration project outside Milan. And they were so impressed of the results we obtained working with our smart solution in the local community that we talked and we said, let's go to the S together. We, had the, we can do a development, uh, so equity from both partners together in Texas. We said yes. You know why? Because when we develop our projects, our concept works everywhere. Format is the, another secret source of Planet Gunner. Having a format that is scalable, replicable, and totally oriented to services to cover all the needs of people. It's something that works in Texas, in India, or in Brazil. So for us, it was good because we could show the international communities, our stakeholders, that we, we can also develop in a very mature economy, hyper-regulated, like the US, and achieve the same results. It was a brilliant flagship project. Second reason is that a place like the United States is an awesome field, very fertile ground, to nurture PropTech innovations. You know, you're very aware in the United States now, everybody wants smart locks. And you have incredible company like Latch.com who's working into this uh, field. And uh, this is because the United States is very prone to digital innovation. Infrastructure is there. People are used to use this kind of tools and, and solutions. So for us, it's like fast forward five years. I mean, trying solutions that if we can repackage properly, we can easily use in Brazil or in India or in Colombia or, or wherever we want to be. But the United States give us the possibility to have, a, to have a, an innovation uh, spree where we can actually test things that we can use in our own development. It's a beautiful place and the project is really running very well. It's a multi-family, uh, typical residential United States. is going very fast and uh, probably will be finished even in less than one year. So pretty excited. Because of the pandemics, I haven't been able to go to Texas, but just as I can, I will. I just came back from India, by the way, two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Wow. That, that's, uh, that's the kind of travel that everyone missed for a couple of years. So you're able to now start to circumnavigate the yeah, globe. But there's a nice story. There's a nice story going on. It's funny you say that because, yes, the last couple of years has been a tremendous you know, game changer for everybody in the world. But last year, I'm talking about December 2021, for the first time in the history of planet, we managed to close our numbers in terms of revenues, going exceeding $100 million in revenues, which for planet means last year we sold 2,000 housing units. This is a good number for a very young company. And you know, when you, when you go over $100 million, you're kind of feeling I'm not a young adult anymore. Maybe I'm growing up. Maybe an adult now. I'm not a startup anymore. Maybe I'm going to scale up now. I need to behave. But the point is that the most important thing is that if you compare 2021 year-end result versus 2020, 
is a 2x with Avold. If you compare it to year-end 2019, it's 5x. So in a moment in which the world was kind of thinking of stopping because the pandemics hit very hard, we went on relentlessly. Because we are special? I don't know, maybe. Uh, but I should say that for our investors, of course. But let me tell you, the main idea behind this success is, uh, of course, we're quite creative people. The most important thing is that the sector is incredible uh, from the point of view of the behavior. Because affordable housing is something people always need. It's not about an investment choice I can sort of uh, postpone. If I need to relocate, if my family is growing, if uh, I have a need to change my life for the better, it's not something I could say I'll do it in two years. Affordable housing is incredibly good because it goes through cycles of economic depression, political changes. It's not an investment choice. It's a primary need. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like you're selling uh, ice water in the desert right now. They're, the demand seems to be unlimited. Um, and uh, this is a product that we very much, uh, all of our countries need um, at this point. So um, what do you think that governments, whether it's local or, or national governments, uh, and other developers maybe are missing around what makes affordable housing affordable housing? Well, first of all, from the point of view of the public bodies, um, of course, we have a good relationship with them because we're not into hospitality, we're not uh, into luxury, we're not into upper class. We are developing projects that, first of all, apart from being real estate projects, solve a social problem. So we kind of always find open doors from public administration. We don't use public money. We don't do anything with public housing. Everything Planet does is a private venture. So we put our equity on the ground. We buy land, infrastructure, land, build and sell. And the local administration look, look at us as uh, something very good happening on their territories because they can say without spending even one dime that now they have a smart district on their territory. Maybe they have a smart city for affordable housing in their territory. So... Uh, I have to say that we've always been treated very nicely from them. If I have to tell you what we could ask them is uh, certainly working in the directions of the approval and maybe the building codes in order to facilitate the work that we have to do. And let me tell you, uh, operating in emerging countries, if you know what you're doing, it's not really that difficult. I mean, uh, if you look at our timings for approvals and actually first on the ground, uh, in India, for instance, it's been pretty fast. We went from closing the agreement with our partner to uh, opening up the building site in, uh, let me think, eight months. So it was really good. And uh, so far, we haven't found any roadblocks. But if local administration understand that, you know, they could treat affordable housing development with a special, um, you know, behavior, with a special uh, treatment, it would be very beneficial for the sector. The second thing is that, uh, let me tell you uh, why I'm asking for these things, because if you remember what I told you about the gap between demand and supply in this segment, uh, there's space for everybody. Planet Smart City can do a lot, but uh, I'll give you some numbers that probably would be very interesting for you. In 2032, 
Uh, and, and let me tell you also, it's kind, kind of public now. In 24, 28 months, we want to run for an IPO. And in 2032, this is a company that can design, build, and sell 45,000 homes a year. But if you think about the global demand, you will understand that if we do so, we might penetrate our target markets. Let me tell you, 1%, 2%. So from my point of view, for our investors, it's beautiful because it's doable. We are not aiming at incredible percentages. But from another side, it tells you that there is space. And this is a market that needs private operators. This is a, such a large volume uh, challenge that the public bodies cannot do a lot unless they are backed by private developers who want to risk and develop something that's beautiful, something beautiful for people to actually go and live there. So this is certainly something that uh, it's important to remember. From the point of view of the operators, what I hope to see is that um, we should stop to reinvent the wheel. What are we trying always to do? And I'm giving you the second secret source of planet, which we've been in the podcast. Maybe it's not very wise, but I'm going to do it anyway. Is that um, we have a very strong affiliation partnership with local developers. We don't do everything on our own. When we open up in new countries, we go on the territory, we find the best in class in terms of developers. We go to them and say, let's partner up because we can do something beautiful on the territory. Our partner in India, Colton Patel Developers Limited, has been in the market for 25 years. They're a public company and they are our beautiful partner in India. For a company based in London, very young as us, going to these countries on their own would be very arrogant. Not, not, not just silly, arrogant. I always say Planet Smart City is a gentle company. We go in a country to stay there because we don't just build and sell and go. We stay with our community platform, with our community development activities, with our technology, serving people with digitalized services that we put on the ground. So we never go somewhere to go to go away. We go somewhere to stay. So talking to getting back to your question, I think that there's a need of uh, getting together. There's no point of realizing each one of us one single app for real estate, one single framework for ESG that is always different from the others. We should partner up. And um, this idea of getting uh, like-minded people together to try to achieve something that has not been achieved so far was kind of noticed by the United Nations Habitat Agency when um, we went to uh, the World Urban Forum in Abu Dhabi just before the pandemic. It was February 2020. And we ran a workshop on the World Urban Forum. There was the Asian Development Bank there. There was the African Development Bank there. And the idea was very simple. We were asked to explain our model because our audience kind of understood that raising the standards with the right scale, with the right approach, is possible. And you can build actually places where you want to raise your kids. How wonderful. Um, then the question becomes this. You have already, in such a short time uh, as a company, have addressed certainly for the people that have been able to be part of, of, of your projects, the affordable problem. Um, but you've also been addressing, an, you know, global warming and sustainability at the same time. Uh, that doesn't sound like something that's that's cheap. How philosophically are you folding that in with what you're doing? 
First of all, let me tell you, there is a paced approach. When you build a house for $30,000 in Brazil, you cannot expect to have um, solutions which are comparable when you spend 10 times that money to build something, right? So we need to build, uh, to have a paced approach and always be compliant with local regulations. Uh, in these countries where housing programs for affordable housing are in place, Sometimes you cannot even do really what you want. You need to be compliant with local regulations. Sometimes local regulations, for a number of reasons, are not very, uh, let's say, modern. Like uh, it's not really easy sometimes to apply renewable energy systems or different systems for the distribution of energy. You need to stick to local rules. The, the real, the real uh, difficult task is to try to do the best you can with the local regulation system. And then... It will evolve. I mean, everybody speaks about the race net zero in real estate. It's complicated to think about that in, in our segment. But if you put in place a long-term mindset, you can start to work in that direction. Our innovation apps, which is the pulsing heart of our social innovation activities in our developments, like in Brazil, are always run by renewable energy. We have photovoltaics in the roof. That's, that, that could be considered normal because uh, these are tropical uh, developments. And with a Western eye, you could say, oh, come on, you're at the tropics. You need to use photovoltaics. Yeah, but you need to insert one thing at a time. Innovation will come. If you're ready to apply it in the right way, uh, it will come. It's very important to, let me also tell you, to work Yes, on direct emissions, but also on indirect emissions. We work a lot with our communities to nudge them through information that comes on the Planet app, the front end of our digital platform, in order to teach them about energy consumption. Um, everybody knows about financial literacy. I like to talk about energy literacy. And unfortunately, the global events in these days have been teaching us that we don't have to take for granted energy sources and, you know, energy uh, situations worldwide. It's important that people become energy literate, especially in these countries where we operate, where our audience is particularly price sensitive. They are careful with their money. So, as I said in the beginning, if you teach them how to save 10 bucks on, uh, on energy usage, they will listen and they will listen very carefully. One last thought. We have been barraged in, in recent weeks or over the last couple of years with surprises to the negative. I, I want to challenge you to think about a surprise to the positive you think could happen over the next few years as you get yourself to 45,000 units a year. Well, first of all, let me tell you, um, building and selling this amount of homes every single year. And I want to specify, Gunnar, we talk about selling because in these countries, there is a huge aspirational mood. People want to change their life for the better. They want to climb the social ladder, exactly like it was in Europe and the United States in the 50s and 60s. And it's going to be like this for a while. If we manage to do what, we have in, what it is in our program, and luckily enough, in the last years, we always managed to meet all the objectives we had, it will mean to impact directly the life of at least 150,000 people every single year. And these people are digitally native. It's a new kind of uh, human beings. I mean, I'm a Gen X, and I already know that I'm totally different from a millennial and Generation Y and Generation Z. So something will happen very interestingly. 
real estate will need to innovate seriously. It's a little bit of a laggard in innovation, this sector. But the new demand from these guys that think totally different from boomer generation or Gen X like me will change the demand. Uh, what people call prop tech today, and sometimes they don't even have a clear idea of what prop tech is because it's a very wide topic, will become necessary. Digital transformation will enter the design of buildings, and especially it will change the experience of residents in a district, in a building, and at home. And I'm not talking about this, the smart home trend. There is a lot more. The experience of the resident has not changed much in the last 150 years. I always say the experience of residents changed dramatically when houses got distribution of natural gas to cook, electricity, and clean water. 200 years ago, let's say. That really changed the experience of people. Less people go till, you can clean yourself, you can cook. Wow, the house was not only a place to sleep and to have a shelter, was a lot more. But honestly, in the last 150 years, the experience has not changed a lot. What this new generation are asking us, experience, change experience. They want to live differently, uh, more connected, and to do more things through this collective intelligence that comes from the digital platform. So what we will see in the future would be finally a strong integration between digital technologies and what we call real estate. We have some hints, but it's not only about uh, facial recognitions with AI or, uh, I don't know, shutting your, uh, your windows with a button. It will be a lot more, and we are going to see an enormous integration we cannot even imagine now. The other thing is that technology itself will be the real driver to reach those ESG criteria that everybody is speaking about now. I'm pretty convinced that in order to reach sound energy, or let's say environmental objectives, and especially the S on the ESG, technology will play a huge part in it. And now we're at the beginning. Do you remember, what was it? At least in Italy it was 1997. I think I used Alta Vista for the first time. Do you remember? And it was like the access with Netscape, or even before that, Gopher to a new world. If you look at it from now, and it was not only many years ago, it looks like like Neanderthal era, like 1,000 years ago. It wasn't. Just imagine what a non-linear growth in the real estate and digital world can change the things we do. It's pretty exciting. And uh, I like to say that in Planet, me and every single one of my colleagues are aware that this might happen. And we just want to be able to understand. And if we can turn some of these innovations to enrich the life and the experience of our residents, we will be successful. I, I don't disagree. And uh, I, I went run out of time here, but I want to thank you uh, for sharing your secret sauce, uh, which I think actually is more that, that affordable housing is, is real estate. Um, and all the issues that are affecting us in real estate are certainly affecting uh, affordable housing and is an opportunity for, uh, for, for affordable housing on a go-forward basis. So I'm looking forward to talking more with you in, in, in the uh, months and years to come as you guys continue to develop that. Um, this, is, this has been Daniel uh, Russo-Lillo, uh, who's the operations leader at uh, Planet Smart City. Thank you, Danny, for joining me. 
Thank you, Gunan. Thank you. Anytime. You've been listening to the AFIRE podcast. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast subscription service, such as Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitchers, and others. AFIRE is not engaged in providing tax, accounting, or legal advice. No content in this podcast is to be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any asset. Some information included has been obtained from third-party sources considered to be reliable, though AFIRE is not responsible for guaranteeing the accuracy of third-party information. The opinions expressed are those of its respective contributors and sources and do not necessarily reflect those of AFIRE.